Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride Show, show number 52. And I'm joined in the studio by a very special lady. And she's become quite famous lately, as our Anya. Now, Anya, we've got a title down as a freedom fighter and warrior of light. And we've called this show On Your Bike with Anya. <laughs> And we're going to lose the with, aren't we? Just on your bike, on you. Just on your bike, on you. On your bike, on you. So, on you, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely (laughs) my pleasure. And I feel like I should do this when you come in and (laughs) salute you. Yes. (laughs) So, on you, I met you through friends of ours. And I've known Janet for about 30 years and Wes for about 15 years. So they're friends of mine a long time and you recently became friends with them. And this is how we sort of met and I found out about you. You've recently been all over social media, haven't you? Yes. Yes, because you've been getting arrested Mm -hmm. on more than one occasion. Yes. Yes. And your video went viral and... I don't know, within 24 hours it had hit about 70,000 views or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's had hundreds of thousands now. Mm-hmm. I think it's over two, 200,000 now. Yeah. I've not even looked, it could be more now, yeah. who knows. And that was the, the first video, wasn't it? The first time you got arrested. Yes. But we're going to get to that after and we'll talk about that actually because I've got lots of questions mm-hmm. I want to ask you. But first of all, we'll start. We'll talk about somebody's journey and... I always say that your past doesn't define you. It's simply the view on your journey to this present moment. But it's very interesting to find out what makes somebody tick and how they got here, you know. I thought, first of all, I just wanted to talk about on certain days when I film certain shows, Mm -hmm. if I feel like it's meant to be, I experience synchronicity and alignment. And I'll give you two examples. Today I left the office and I went to reception and I didn't have my pass card with me and the door locked behind me. The door in front, I could get outside, but I had no phone, no keys, nothing. So I was trapped in reception at, I think, six o'clock this morning. And I was potentially there for two hours. And I was <laughs> panicking. And I thought, what am I going to do? And then there's one other guy that comes in early. He usually comes in about, I don't know, half seven. Two minutes after that, I stayed calm. I thought, I'm not going to get excited. I'm just going to breathe and wait. Not panicking because I'm stuck. I'm panicking because I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And the guy came in within 60 seconds and said, morning, morning. I think you're early, aren't you? Uh, and he said, yeah, I thought I'd come in extra early today. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then I picked the quote for this show. And I picked it before I'd glanced at your show notes the other day, but I hadn't read them. I just basically checked, is there enough content there? That kind of thing, yeah. you know. And I picked the quote for the show. And then I read your show notes. And boom, like a bolt of lightning. <laughs> you talked about manifesting, which is as everybody will find out at the end of the show, exactly what the quote's about. Mm. So I think you're meant to be here, aren't you? Me too. Yeah. So I'm going to let you talk now for a bit. And we'll start with your journey. So you're originally from Preston. I am. Yes. And I didn't know you had a twin. I do, yeah. I've got a twin brother. Right. And he's 31. He is, yeah. Yes, so that makes you 31. (laughs) I joked about this at the beginning of the show and that there'd be a lot of blokes at home. And when you said... I'm a twin. They're all going, please be a woman. Please be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, men like, uh, you know, I suppose it's a fantasy about I twins. I guess it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you happen to be best friends with a couple of twins as I well. I do, well. I know. Yeah. yeah. I only just recently met them too, but I feel like I've known them forever. Yeah. Lovely, lovely energy, haven't they? Really oh, nice girls. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your journey. And we'll start with 
you actually spent a lot of time at your grandparents when you were a kid, didn't you? I did, yeah. My grandparents, and then I also moved in with my uncle. Um, they saw all of my mum's side of the family because my mum was a single parent at the time with twins. Right. Yeah. So she had her hands full um, and a very strict Catholic family as well. So there was a lot of shame yeah. on the family. It, it, it seems bizarre now to me that people thought like that back then. Yeah. But, you know, if you had a child out of wedlock then, people hid it. They did. Didn't they? Yeah. You know, it was, now it's common. But And I'd always like to think if I was born then, I would think differently. But you don't know, do you? Because it's your conditioning. Yeah, until you're in that situation, I guess you don't know. But yeah, I admire my mum for, for what she did. Like, she had a tough job. And yeah, she yeah, did well. Raising you. I know. Yeah. I'm my twin brother. You've not met him. No, no, <laughs> He's no. massive. Oh. <laughs> so, How tall are you? I'm five foot nine, but he's like six foot four. Right. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. Obviously, you've got, with a name like Anya O'Grady, mm-hmm. and it's taken me a couple of months just to be able to actually get your name right because it doesn't spell Anya, does it? No. It spells Any, A-I-N-E. N-E, yeah. Yeah. But Anya O'Grady, a big Irish heritage. Where mm. are your family from? They are from County Mayo, the west coast Beautiful of Ireland. Beautiful part. Yeah, yes, mine gorgeous. are all Donegal. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know a few people from Donegal. Mm. Beautiful part of the land. Yeah. And I've met your mother as well, Mm -hmm. lovely lady. I can see where you get it from. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do get a lot of traits from my mum. You said when you were at school that you weren't academically minded and you were more sort of artsy and this kind of thing. Yeah. I write about that in the the first book, From Pills to Peace, because if you're a daydreamer at school and all the great artists and people that invented space stations and rockets, they were daydreamers. You know, these people were daydreamers. And if you do that at school, you usually end up in getting trouble all the time. And, (laughs) you know, I I think it's we've we're programmed just to become machines to make as much money as possible and consume and get material stuff, power and status. And it's all wrong. It is. It's all wrong. We should express ourselves. Of course. And sprinkle fairy dust. Unicorns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But school was a nice experience for you. I loved school, actually. Um, and there were times when I left, I thought, oh, I wish I'd gone back and actually learned stuff. But now I'm like, no, I'm so glad I had the time of my life. Because when you're young, that's what you should be doing. Absolutely. Like yeah. You'd always find me at the arts and crafts messing about with toilet roll holders and egg boxes making loads of random stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. You then went on to study. But you couldn't make your mind up. No, so never you... can. So indecisive. Well, you're allowed. I mean, they say to people, you know, at 16, you really need to have decided what your career's going to be. And that. I'm 48. I, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to do. I change my mind all the time, you know. Yeah. I do something for a while, I enjoy it. And then if I find something else that I enjoy more, I do that. Yeah, why not? That's I don't see that changing, really, you know. Tell us some of the things you did. Well, I did. Uh, so I had to retake maths, unfortunately. It's like I said... I didn't listen and I couldn't understand the concept of algebra and all of that because it just doesn't doesn't happen in real life, a lot of it anyway. No. So I had to retake maths and then I had to um, take some other courses just for like the year until I could start my proper A-levels. So I did some random stuff like health and social care, sociology, communication studies. Performing arts. And then I decided then to do performing arts. Which yeah. I think is probably your niche and we'll get to that but you've done a lot of performing haven't you? I have yeah Yeah. I think my life has been a bit of a performance basically. And you took a gap year you'd previously been working at a jeweler's yeah yeah so you 
did a full year there. I, well, I worked from when I was 16 up until I was in my 20s. So I worked there quite a while. I'd, it was always a part-time job. I was always working when I was from the age of 13. Like Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. Paper round, putting cherries on cakes, selling double glazing, selling electrical goods at um, Comet. And, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always, always doing something. Was it a high street jewellers, one I'd know? No, it was independent. Oh, right, that's yeah, better. Much yeah, much better. Rather than just... Punting stuff on mass, there'll be sport pieces of oh, jewellery and things. Oh, it was proper yeah. jewellery, and we had a working jeweller on the premises, so he did teach us a lot, which was good. And then you moved out, and you're in this this house. This is your, probably, your, you've been let off the reins a little bit, and there's six here staying in this house with mm-hmm. Hannah. Mm-hmm. And are you still friends with Hannah? Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Tell us about this then. And I love the term, you use the term, fruitful people. <laughs> yes, fruity, fruity. Oh, yes, fruity. very fruitful, like there was... You'd be up, you'd be woken up at stupid o'clock in the morning with random sounds and or there'd be somebody banging on the door because someone had someone else's boyfriend there or something <laughs> like that. And luckily we had a bouncer that was living with us at one point, so we'd always deal yeah. with that. And yeah, we had some crazy times at that house. It was never a dull moment. But at that age, for me anyway, as bonkers as it was, because my life was bonkers back then, but loads of fun. Oh, yeah. 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 All good memories, and you remember all the crazy stuff you'd done. And yeah, it was really I could tell good. you stories that would you heard it fall out if I told you some of the things <laughs> I'd done. It's that bad, but um, good memories. So you've had fun for a while, and then you decided you're going to go to university. So yeah. what did you study? I studied music theatre. Music theatre. Yeah, I originally auditioned for acting, and then. I did the audition, didn't quite like it, and then it wasn't until the end of the audition they said, why don't you do music theatre? And it never clicked, and I thought, well, yeah, actually, I'd rather do that. That's, from reading your show notes and stuff we're going to talk about, that's your bag, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, performing live, (laughs) you know, yeah. But you did say that you didn't really want to finish the course. No, I kind of got miss, um, what would be the word... It wasn't what I thought it was. It was music theatre, not musical theatre. Oh, what's the difference? Well, this is, I know, if I had a massive uh, moment, like yeah. halfway through uni. Um, you do, like, music production, so you look at all the, um, like, basically producing music, which wasn't my right. bad. You just wanted to perform. Literally, and sing and dance. exactly. Yes. And we only did one, like, once a year. We did one musical um, for each term, so we only, I only got to do three musicals. Right. So for me, it was just a bit like, but I was like, I'm halfway through it now. So you still stuck with it? I stuck at it. it. Yeah, 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 I did. I was Joseph and Joseph's technical dream court. Were you? Yes, I was the king in the king and I. I, I did all sorts. Some very younger. good musicals. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, that was before my voice broke, so I could. Oh, oh you could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's. But uh, yeah, I used to sing a lot. It was good fun. I did some acting as well. I was in Peaky Blinders and um, Scott and Bailey and really? bits, bits of acting. Yes, only wow. very small parts, you know, just bit parts and stuff. But yeah, Exciting. it was just fun. You, you can't make a living from doing that. No. The pays, it barely covers your butties and your petrol, mm. you know, but it was good fun. Yeah, you know, especially it's the, experience. the Peaky Blinders scenes were. I, I got to meet everybody, and, and it was great. Yeah, I've never watched it. Had point. you not? No. It's probably a good thing. Though. And they're all going, "Hey, hey!" And somebody said, "That's such and such a body." I'm like, "Well, Who's I've that? not seen it." I don't know. <laughs> and then afterwards, I watched it, and I realised I did a scene with, you know, all, basically all the oh, actors. Oh, I need to rewatch yeah. it now. Yeah, you'd see me. I'm a copper, a big moustache, big, massive moustache, and a truncheon. 
bashing them all over the head in the end, end of one of the series. They all get arrested in this manor house. And I, I'm in that scene. This is well. probably why I recognise you. <laughs> no, it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more likely on a wanted poster for, <laughs> for other things, yeah. <laughs> and you managed to get a 2 1. So I did. that's very respectable. I was happy with that. Mm. Yeah, because I wasn't. As I say, it's not what you know, it's who you know in those sort of industries. Yeah. And there was a lot of that going on on the course, and I'm not one of them people. No. I won't. This is when it starts to get fun. So, yeah, 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 yeah. This is when it gets fun. Kathy, your mother, uh-huh. was a blue coat. She was. And you decided to follow in her footsteps. I and, did. Yeah. Tell us about this. I mean, rather than me refer to the notes, just roll with it. Wow, well, I auditioned, I did a couple of auditions. One was for um, another company, which I didn't get, that was in Birmingham. But I actually went with a friend and auditioned, and I think that was the worst thing I could have done. Because they were rubbish, and they, they pulled you down. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> such a diva. No, it was because yeah. um, I was literally just thrown in with a second one. I had nobody to feel comfortable with, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then I, they put me on one of the flagship parks in Skeg Vegas. Yeah, I like which that. Which was yeah. amazing fun living in a caravan for um it was a good like nine months i think it was yeah the good times because at this point you probably when you're that age you may have a boyfriend or not but you've you've got no outgoings really you've not got a mortgage you're free as a bird and you can just have fun yeah you know as you get older life gets more complicated and you've got all these other things to deal with and so at that age, this is why I tell everybody, travel, travel, travel. Yeah. It's not that easy when you get older. Life gets a bit more complicated. These windows in your life don't come along that often. So when they do, I think it's really important you take them. Yeah, you know? definitely. So this, this is exactly one of those. Yeah, it, yeah, and it was great fun. We were like a little family in, in a way, in our own little bubble, like little celebrities on our own little park. And it was stressful, don't get me wrong, because it was constant. Yeah, I, I know from what I've seen, you're up at six or seven, kids club entertaining during the day then there'll be music and i don't know ballroom dancing whatever then you've got the bingo then you've got the night time you're performing and yeah. then you said you might even have to rehearse after that at the beginning of the season we had to yeah we'd be yeah. absolutely shattered but i couldn't do that now you know no but th- that age you can can't you yeah 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 and it's exciting yeah really yeah. exciting so you had a red coat then not a blue no coat. we were actually um the first season we had like it was just black and silver and then the second season i did we had these awful green and purple coats don't sound great no they were awful um and they were hot because you had to do party dances in them you couldn't move in them yeah they were shocking yeah. I think I'd rather be dressed up as a rabbit, like that's what we had to do as well, than, than wear one of those and dance. I just, I can't, when I see you, I smile, because I imagine <laughs> you just rocking up and going, I'm here, <laughs> you know, just a, a proper a diva, like, you know, performing. And I stuff. wouldn't say it was a diva, I like to have fun, and I like to shake things up, especially when I was in the characters, like the skins, when you were... Um, so they had like different characters there. There were rabbits. There was um, an aardvark, and I loved the aardvark. Cause he was a naughty one. Yeah. And I used to, because you'd greet guests as they come in, and I literally used to go into the car, steal stuff, and run away. I tried to get on the bus once, <laughs> and yeah, just like to spice it up and have a laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was. It Has was anybody seen on you? I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. This then, the next stage. I read the show notes for this, and I barely laughed, <laughs> and. You actually said in the pre-show chat that your height, you actually lied on one application because 
yes. you would be too tall. Tell us what that mm -hmm. was. I always wanted to be a Disney princess. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's little did I know you had to be a certain height. Um, I think you had to be like five foot eight was like the maximum or something. Oh, no. I know. And I was you like. Slightly bend your knees. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what can I do? Just uh, shuffle down. But no, I was more of a villain character apparently than, than a princess. So that was my. Um, I was out the window there for being oh. a princess, unfortunately. But I did manage to be a princess in some of my jobs. You were the tallest elf, weren't yes, you, I was. in Lapland? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was a big sort of dream of mine. I always wanted to work in Lapland, always. Um, and then two of the lads that I worked with on my last season at, um, with uh, the Holiday Park, they actually knew the owners of the company. So I was in there straight away. And uh, Santa and Mrs. Santa, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, <laughs> they knew them, yes, they, they knew. Yeah. I know him. Um, so they knew, um, they worked with this fantastic company. Like, the experience is so magical because you get kids that they come, they don't believe, and then they leave and they believe all of it's real. And yeah. even I was believing it at the end of it, it was so magical. Um, but yeah, I was literally the tallest elf there. What made me laugh is you said one of the kids asked you, why are you so tall? Yeah. And what was your answer? She like really looked me up and down from and, like And doing the accent as leg. well. Yeah, you had to put on an accent and uh, you had to, you had a name. So my name was Glitzer. And uh, I would say to her, this is so I can reach the uh, the presents at the top of the shelf for Santa. <laughs> and the kids were like, oh yeah, okay. Oh, brilliant. We had such good fun. Yeah. And um, it was so magical because we had... Um, we, you know, the Make-A-Wish charity? Yes. They came and all the time we were all waiting for the Northern Lights, just kept waiting for them. They didn't come, didn't come. And then as soon as these children arrived, out came the Northern Lights. See, I've never seen the Northern Lights oh. and it's, it's on my to-do list, you yes. know, my bucket list, but I've, I've not been. Yeah, I'd love to see them. Do it. Mm. It's magical. You went then working in Spain and the Balearic Islands mm -hmm. and the company you worked for was called... Romantic corporate, is that yes. right? It sounds like a high end escort agency <laughs> or or a dating agency for rich people, doesn't yeah. it? It's a peculiar name. I'm not gonna lie, I was um I was a bit wary when I, I was auditioning for this That's job. That's why you went. <laughs> <laughs> I'll earn a few quid doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could do a bit of both there. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was um I got I auditioned for on behalf of a, an agency here. Um, to then go out there and it was all sort of they told me I had the job and I didn't get quite much information about it until about two weeks before I was flying out there and I was thinking this can't be real like something's gonna go wrong like it's not real but then yeah it was but that's the way people are in Spain it's all manana manana there's no organization um and yeah it was just and you're in a band yeah a four-piece 80s group or band Obviously, you're on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, making some noise. Singing, I'm assuming. I was singer, yeah. yeah, I was the vocalist, and then there was a male vocalist. There was two other male vocalists and a saxophone player. Three vocalists and a saxophone player? That's yes. That sounds awesome. So cool, because I love saxophone as well. So as soon as I found out there was a sax, I was like, yes, yes. I'm doing it. So just to be clear, you're working for a romantic corporate, and there's a lot of sax in And there's a lot of sax, <laughs> yeah. This, how long did you do this for? I did it for a season. So I, st I went out there in, I think it was April, and then I left in October, November time. And you met somebody over there, didn't you? Yes, I did. I met my uh, ex-fiancé. And we'll get to the fact that he's your ex-fiancé, uh -huh. you know, but 
it's part of your journey, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I think it's quite important that it's healthy to look back and see things in a positive light and things are relevant, they're part of your journey and they're what made you who you are now yeah. and, and the why you're here now. Definitely, I see them as gifts. So you then, you hop back to the UK. Yes, I did. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they move around and they travel a lot and they're doing new things and they're looking into, you know, you're in Spain, Lapland, wherever, when you come back, you can't settle. No. Because you're used to life being exciting and when you're back here and you're doing a nine-to-five job, it's very dull. Yeah. So you went again. I did. Yes. Mm. Tell us. So then... Um, Working back here in the UK, it was literally soul destroying. I yeah, think I was yeah. working for an agency, a, a, a warehouse, and I hated it with yeah. a passion. Um, and then we both then found um, a job through a company that it was just holiday reps, and it was just there and was like, let's go for it. Um, got the job, and then I think within weeks we were we were moving over to Saloon. So another um, holiday sort of area. Yeah. It's really nice. And what were you doing? <clears throat> we were. It's not glamorous at oh, all. Okay. It was caravans. Yeah. We lived in a caravan that had no air conditioning as well. So it was, um, it was very hot, obviously, out in Spain. Yeah. But we were cleaning caravans. Whatever you're doing, if the sun's shining, that's half and, the battle yeah. straight away, isn't it? And the it? beach was on the doorstep. So that's yeah. all I was bothered about because I love the sun. So you might have been cleaning the caravans, but when you weren't cleaning the caravans, mm -hmm. you're on the beach. Exactly. The so it's, it's all good, isn't it? Definitely. You remind me of something. There's a lady been on this show, and she's a good friend of mine, and, and her, her partner as well, and she's called Catherine Beaumont. And she also does a lot of theatre, and she's done a lot of panto, and she, I've seen a lot of pictures of her dressed as a pirate, and she's your build. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's quite tall and yeah. stuff. And, yeah, you remind me of her. She's like a... I have to say this carefully, a slightly older version than you. Oh, I'd like to meet her. You, yeah. Because I do love a bit of panto as well. Yeah. Mm. I'll show you a picture of her after and you'll, you'll, see, you'll hopefully see the similarity. Yeah. But yeah. So in this period, you'd been together for a number of years mm -hmm. and you'd done lots of different jobs. And one of them in particular, I didn't know what it was. And then you explained, but you'd been, I'll read some, you'd been a drama teacher. Mm -hmm. I would expect that. And you'd also been a science party host. And yes. I didn't know what this was. Tell us what a science party it's, is. It's good fun. Um, we basically do experiments with the kids. so they <laughs> Experimenting on the kids. Yeah, experimenting yeah, 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 on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We also did that sneakily. Yeah. Um, but we'd make slime. Um, we used to set them on fire. Um, we used to electrocute them. <laughs> it sounds like Rockets. a torture camp. It does. <laughs> like the amount of times we'd be like, who wants to be electrocuted? They'd be like, yeah, yeah me. me. Like, so the parents, what's wrong with these kids? <laughs> um, but it was good fun because to me, I was rubbish at science at school. School. but I learned a lot doing it myself yeah, um, yeah. and it's just working with kids it's beautiful that because if you're a child at school and you're getting told off and you're highly stressed and you've been your class has been naughty and stuff the walls come down you learn you learn nothing no. when you're having fun you soak energy up and information like a sponge and kids if you can make learning fun they learn at 100 miles yeah. an hour I remember we had different teachers, a particular maths teacher that we really got on with, and it was fun. Yeah. And so we all became shit off at maths. Of course. You, know? you would, so wouldn't you? If you can make it fun to learn, it's, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. Fun makes you lighter. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, there's never a dull moment. Like, every day was different. I was all over the Northwest um, delivering these parties. And, um, 
they were just different because everyone's used to the bog standard party because I did do other parties as well. I was a princess. I was a superhero. Um, but I actually enjoyed doing the science parties. Which superhero were you? I was Wonder Woman. I thought you might have been, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, I showed you a clip before with the lady Rebecca Scarlett Davis who's been on the show and she's coming on again. And she always, always was a, some kind of headpiece or a headband and she looks like Wonder Woman. And she your does. eyes look to be like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Do I know her? <laughs> Fellow warrior. Yeah. You were also in a band. I was. What was it called? Martini Blonde, without the blonde. Did you wear a blonde wig? Were you the, were you the lead singer? I was, yeah. It was originally a two-piece, um, and he was trying to get another female singer, and it was hard work because, yeah, it was... Um, that's the thing with bands. There's always a lot of clash of personalities of and a yes. lot of divas. Different creative visions, mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Yeah. Did you gig? Did you go around? We did, yeah. Just sort of Preston or? It was, yeah, Preston, Blackpool. The band was mainly based in Blackpool, so we did a lot of gigs around there, um, but not many. Yeah. Um, it was just for me, I wanted to still have the as aspect of singing because I was doing drama and doing the parties, but I just took too much on. It was like I had yeah. so many different jobs. I, I'm like that now. I, I, I really, my biggest problem is time management. Mm. There's so many things I want to do. And some of the things are consistent, like this and the radio and other stuff. But I've got all these other projects. And, yeah, I I can't fit everything in. You have to learn to say no sometimes, yeah. don't you? Well, well I do. I, I've stopped teaching the meditation because that was taking up a lot of my time. And there's so many other things I want to do. Yeah. So I decided that that has to go on a back burner for now. And the second book was written two years ago, three years ago. And it's still in a drawer. And I've not published that one yet because even though the book's written and you've got the mm -hmm. manuscript, then there's a lot of work after that prior to it being in paperback or whatever. Yeah. And so I put that down and it's on a back burner because, again, I, I want to do this. <laughs> so You've yeah. got to do what you want to do. This is bringing you probably into this year uh -huh. next. And you're still with your fiancé at the time. I was. And you decide you're going to become a landlady slash entertainer. And you get a, a lease, a, a pub. Yep. Yeah, so tell us about that. So that was literally, so we were, we had a pub together. Um, he was he was the manager of it. He's worked in that industry for years. And there was a function room at this place. So I was like, oh, that's fine, because I can do a bit of both. Yeah. Um, he, he can run the pub and you can just sing. Exactly. <laughs> I can just prance around like a fairy. Um, and it was good fun. I did enjoy it, because I'm, I'm a proper people person anyway. Um, yeah. But it was we weren't really running it because it was somebody else that, that owned it. So we was like, right, let's let's do it ourselves. And this opportunity came up. Yeah. So we signed over a pub. And, and in, where was it? It was in a place called Fowl Ridge, which is Colne, sort of East Lancashire area. Yeah. Beautiful place. There's nothing foul about Fowl Ridge. Um, yeah. It was, um, there's lakes and hills and so mm. much countryside. It's, it's beautiful. It's like Nelson, Pendle, Colne, all that. And it's beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Mm. You just wouldn't expect it to be there. Um, and it was called the Hare and Hounds. It had rooms. It had a little cottage separate to the, the pub, which was great. Um, and we signed it over on the Monday. We trade. We were trading for four days. And then Boris closed the pubs on the Friday. Ooh. So, yeah, that's when it all just went uh, to begin with, I mean, we were trading. Don't get me wrong. We had to kick people out on the Friday like they wanted to stay. But yeah. we had to do it the right way because we weren't so sure um, whether it would affect the staff and, you know, what people are like for gossiping. Yeah. And at, at this point as well, at the beginning of this current situation, nobody really knew what was happening. No. You know, 
over time now, over several months, people have started to, there's a divide and people have formed opinions and I've made my opinions known on this show. Yeah. But at the beginning, we didn't know what was happening. And no. you think, oh, okay, it's just for a few weeks. Maybe we'll, you know, let's just, let's go along with this. Yeah, you know? that's pretty much what we thought. We thought, oh, it won't be long. We wanted to decorate the pub anyway, so we thought we'll get that sorted. Perhaps try and do takeaways while we could. Um, and then I started getting little um, drips of sort of information that was setting off sort of light bulbs for me. Because yeah. I went down, I knew all about, I, when I was at university, I looked into 9-11 and stuff like that. Yeah. And then my friend Hannah uh, then sent me um, a video regarding Kate, is it Kate Shimarani and 5G and all of that. And then that was it then. I went down all the rabbit holes. Yeah. And, and everybody... The people that don't look into this stuff, and I tell everybody, question everything. everything. Question everything. Mm-hmm. I look into something, and something, I might spend a lot of time in it. At the end, I think, actually, no, I can't see any holes in that. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Brilliant. But I certainly won't take anything anybody tells me. doesn't matter who they are. If it's a doctor, certainly not a politician, and these no. people... I have to, it has to make sense to me. So I question everything. And I think that's healthy. I think that's a really good, intelligent process. Definitely. And you know what feels right as well. Like Mm. gut instinct, which I've noticed more and more this this year, is is a a big sort of flashlight, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, I went down a lot of rabbit holes. Um, A lot of them were quite disturbing. Um, But also the situation that I was in too, um, because I'd literally just put my um, my savings down into a pub. Then I'd realised that the government could perhaps be conspiring against everything. And then I just went, I was just, I couldn't cope with it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to confide in my partner and he just wasn't having it. And yeah, yeah just one thing got to an, led to another. What you're telling me now, at, at the start of all this, I was doing okay. And then, then I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good now. Mm. But there was definitely a period where I wasn't coping. No. Because I was listening to the news and I thought, well, what they call the news and I thought it was the news and it's just propaganda. But this has been pumped out your telly 24 hours a day, a complete blackout on all of the news. Negative, negative, negative. And I I became depressed. It was really getting me down. Mm. I thought, I don't want to be in a world like this. And I don't know one single person that it hasn't had an effect on the mental health in some way. You know, lack of sleep, uh, mood swings, depression, anxiety, stress. I also know a number of people in relationships and the relationships of, if somebody is on one side of this fence and somebody on the other, there's this big divide. And I mean, I I don't really associate with some people who I've known for many years, but if they can't see that, you know, you don't have to get it all, but if you can't see that maybe there's a, and we'll touch on this, we weren't going to, but we're going to touch on it a little (laughs) bit, a misappropriation of funds that money has gone missing, Mm -hmm. that figures are being manufactured or inflated yeah that you're being lied to mm. that the pcr test is not for testing for viruses yeah but that's very plain there's no debate it's for forensic use for dna it's Absolutely. just horseshit all of it mm. and i'm not saying you have to get it all but if you can't see that somewhere in this whole picture there's a hole are you being lied to then then I, I'm concerned. Yeah, same. You know, because it's you don't have to get it all. You just have to know something's not right. Mm. And that's that's usually the first part where it dawns and you think, something is not right here. Yeah. You know. And everybody I know has suffered in some way. And like myself, I teach people how to meditate. I'm, 
I write about how to have a correct mind, you know, developing inner mastery and all these things. And I couldn't cope. No. You know, at points. So you're not on your own. It's completely normal, you know. And the flip side to this is when you do have an episode in your life like this, I've had nervous breakdowns, but, you know, it may just be that that you can't cope. Yeah. You know, then quite often, as Rumi says, you know, you we're all broken and the cracks are how the light gets in. That is the start of a spiritual journey. Yeah. And it was the start of yours. It was, it was indeed. I'll let you talk again. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, basically, what happened then? Yeah, so I I pretty much went in all guns blazing. Like, I look back now and I think I approached it all wrong. Yeah. Um, Because I was trying to deal with stuff myself as well as as trying to confide in somebody, thinking that he would be on the same page as me, and he wasn't. Mm. And then... um, I think a lot of people are far more scared of the truth than they are of any virus. Yeah. And they don't want to burst the bubble. They just want to stay quiet and hope it'll all go away. Yeah, and just stay in that sort yeah. of um, ostriches, we call them. Yeah. They know what's going on, but they won't do any, anything about it. And I just thought to myself, I can't live in a world like this. And I I'm, I really thought I can't be, I can't bring children into the world. I, I've heard a um, lot of people say that. Yeah, I ha- and th- for them having to deal with this. So I was like, um, we argued loads. We tried, and I was intense, like, because I was just trying to take on board as much knowledge as I possibly could and educate myself, and we had no time together. Mm. And then eventually um, we said hurtful things to one another, and and he left. Mm. And I had to stay in this pub on my own then, and I decided I'm not opening it. Party! Yeah! (laughs) There was so much booze, it was great. And Yeah, we just had to get rid of it. So I was there, literally, because... The way it worked out, it worked out handy because otherwise I'd have to stay there for five years, but I was in a six-month cooling-off period, so I managed to give Brilliant. notice. Right, so you could walk. You might lose a bit of your money, but... Yeah, yeah. but it, it was it was easier an easier option than staying there for five years. I've been in relationships before, uh, one in particular, but won't get into the specifics, where I've left, and I've left with nothing. Your sanity is more important. Absolutely. You know, so, and this, this pub, if you lose money in that, but you get to, you know... Remove yourself from that situation. Your health, yeah. mental health is more important. Yeah. Mm. He was your fiancé as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, together for about five years. Did you keep the ring? No, I give it him back. Duh. Of course I did. Because <laughs> um, I know about diamonds anyway. Yeah. If working in jewellery, they're never worth what you no, uh, no, pay no. for them. For, and so so also, if he's gone, then it's bad energy anyway. Yeah, of course yeah, it yeah. is. So, yeah, I got rid of that. Um, he took the dog as well. But luckily, I had my little fat cat that stayed with me. Um, and my gecko um, but I think I needed that time there on my own um, I was there for about just short of six months and I couldn't have been in a better place because I had I, I had that chance then to connect to reconnect with nature because yeah. when I was younger I didn't appreciate it at all mum would always be like oh look at that view on you I'd be like yeah mum yeah. you don't when you're a kid sometimes you don't you know? when you're very young you do and then yeah. as you get older you don't and then you, you get to a certain point and it comes back again yeah what and when you start to experience joy and bliss and become peaceful inside, you see beauty everywhere. Everywhere, definitely. And that's that's pretty much what happened to me. Um, I started getting out in nature and then I started, I'd be on YouTube and random videos would pop up. And then I discovered um, Abraham Hicks. And I was yeah. at first I couldn't understand her. I thought, who is this woman? What is she talking yeah, about? Yeah, and it, yeah. I left her for a little bit because 
It's I, Esther Hicks and Abraham is the guy is, that comes into yeah, her. That this, she when channels. she channels. Yeah, 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 yeah. So her was the beginning and then I also studied mindfulness while I was there. I thought I look into something that perhaps might be needed now in the world and, yeah. and would benefit me yeah, too, which yeah. it did. I changed my diet. Um, I started doing yoga, especially Kundalini yoga. That was really good for me. Yeah. Um, and obviously meditation. And I'd try and get out in nature as much as I possibly could and barefoot, like, on mm. my own. I've just watched a documentary on YouTube and it's called The Earthing Movie or The Grounding Movie. I can't remember which. And it, it goes into the science of why we need to connect. And it, it, there's a whole list of people with a whole range of health problems and they all you can actually buy what they call an earthing mat now you know you put it on your bed yeah and you plug it into your sock and it goes through the earthing wire in wow. your socket and it reduces all inflammation and they're saying that inflammation that's generated by the body causes like 90 percent of all your health problems yeah and all these people that had really quite severe health problems all disappeared when they started earthing again and this guy's written a book on it and it's fantastic and i also tell people if you've got your telly on and it's pumping out the news here and you're isolated you're not going outside you're not getting human contact and we're like batteries we charge each other up one person alone two people if you imagine batteries powering remote control a thousand batteries together can power a car yeah when we get together in large numbers like in a, a festival this kind of thing the energy levels go through the roof we need human contact big time it's it's massive and i tell people if you're suffering, whatever, at the very least, just do this. Turn the TV off. Go outside. Yeah. Go and walk in nature. Yeah. And look up at the sky and you'll realise and you'll look up and think, actually, everything's okay. Yeah. Everything's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. You realise how lucky you are as well, like, and what you t take for granted because I, I did. I was a bit of a Netflix binger and that and I've... I can't remember the last time I've watched something properly on the telly no. now. I try and watch. I don't watch any television. Mm. Zero, zip, nothing. Good. I watch, usually watch a bit of Fraser. Yeah. Uh, I've got the full box set. So I watch a bit of Fraser. I think it's important to choose what you watch carefully. Yeah. Don't have the TV on in the background. Don't leave the adverts running. You're being programmed. Yeah. You're being conditioned. And it's all shite. Yes, it is. Watch a little bit of Fraser. And once a week, if I can fit it in, because I can't always do it, I, I watch a movie. Yeah. One movie, that's it. And and I still I enjoy that, but that's enough for me. You yeah. Know? And besides, I'm I'm gonna swear, I am too fucking busy. <laughs> <laughs> to do any of that, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, these people watch loads of telly and say, Oh, I've watched this box and that kind of thing. Hey, what are you doing? Exactly. You know, I mean how do I'm, you find the time? I'm trying to write books and do shows and do the radio mm. and I'm meeting people and I have I've got so many things I wanna do and I'm excited about life. Yeah. And I I think I'd if you just eat fat food and just sit in front of a telly watching box sets and that, then you'll probably be dead 10 years before yeah. I will because I'm too busy. Good luck <laughs> to you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a really nice experience being there. Like I had so many strange occurrences with like nature. Yeah. Um, there was these, there was cows and horses and these random owls, like random stuff happened. And I was like, well, it, I would say, but it's not a coincidence at all. Yeah, yeah. it's Definitely. alignment and synchronicity. Mm. Carl Jung called it synchronicity. Esther Hicks would call it alignment. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned Sadhguru as well. Yeah. He is one of the few people that I'd say on the planet at the minute that is an enlightened being. There are not many. No. Apparently, somebody I've spoke to recently who's 
in the nose. And apparently there's 30 on the planet and not all of them are public figures. Right. But Sadhguru is an enlightened being. Is he really? Yeah. He's, he's, wow. I've watched so many of his talks and he, what a beautiful soul. And he, he's a mystic yogi. He thinks from a different perspective than most people. He's changed the minds of lots of world leaders. Mm. He's got 34 million volunteers that work for him in India. And he has started this campaign where they go and they plant a million trees in one day. They have a million volunteers and they plant a million wow. trees in a day. And he's, he's changing the planet, lifting human consciousness. What a man. In more ways than one. like mm, mm. Very, very wise. This uh, Some of the ancient Vedic ways of thinking and stuff. You know? I love listening to his voice. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny how they just randomly pop up on, say, my YouTube, for example, and I'd never been looking mm. for these people. Well, do you know what that is? That's Alexa listening to you having a conversation. I don't have Alexa, and, though. Uh, That's no, only don't. Be, it'd be my phone, like, listening I, to yeah, me, yeah. maybe. Listen. I don't, but I can go and look at a pair of trainers and, or I can have a conversation about it and then, boom, they pop up. Yeah. And, but I think Facebook, Google, Yahoo, they're all linked, aren't they? And if you're going one for something, it po starts popping up on Amazon and yeah, everything else. Yeah, but then I don't know as well, maybe it's the universe, like, poking at you too. That's of course the way it is. I see yeah. it as well. There's the electronic side where they're all linked together. Oh, yeah. Definitely, I mean... The, it's manifesting, mm. you know. When you remove the stress and tension and anxiety, get all that out of your body, and then you allow things to flow. Yeah. And then you have an intention, and you don't define how that tension is going to arrive. You don't put limitations on it. No. You use what they call the wisdom of uncertainty, and you just yeah. throw yourself into the abyss, and this is what I want. I don't know how <laughs> it's going to come, and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, that's what I'd like, and I'm just going to be happy. Yeah, follow the path of least resistance. Exactly, and then the universe will deliver mm. and can deliver at the speed of light. Yeah, you know, and things will appear like that, and you're like, my God, this How did works. That? Yeah, it does absolutely. You know? And you'll get the odd one that's a bit, you know, you think, all right, all right, but occasionally get something that's like a bolt of lightning, and it'll stop me in my tracks, and I'll, I'll be like, you're just like, wow, what? Yeah, you know, mm. yeah. it is magical. So you're going to stay on the path of least resistance with your higher self. <laughs> yes, I am going to try. Um, but I've noticed that when I am out of alignment, that's when I get arrested. <laughs> ah, is that true? I do think that, yeah, because every time I've been feeling a little bit stressed, say before an event, a, a rally or anything. That's when? That's when I've been arrested. Do you not think that that's your body, though? If you read about quantum physics and entanglement and things like mm. this, that your body is getting the feelings of what's about to happen. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So that anxiety, you might not be in a bad place, but in quantum physics, uh, entanglement is where you can do something over here and it mm -hmm. happens over there simultaneously yeah. when they've separated two particles. And there is no time, you know. It, it, there's no time delay. It happens at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so that's it proves that we're all connected. Yeah. And uh, at an energetic level. So I think that... You have what, the, you know, like premonition kind of thing. You might start to, for example, I've done many ceremonies with different medicines. And one of them, uh, for example, the Cambo, before I had the Cambo, mm. I started to feel the purge. And she said it's quite normal because when you become calm and you get into that energy mode and you prepare yourself for the ceremony with your diet and your frame of mind and everything else, yeah. you can start to feel it before you've even had, you know, with Cambo, it's the burns and the toxins the frog toxins you put in your body. But you can feel these things before you've even actually had the physical thing put in your body. With a future event that's about to happen that ain't going to make you feel good, sometimes your body gets a, a warning from the yeah. universe, an energy field. Telling you, know. you. yeah. 
I'm going to read some bits out. <laughs> okay. Because I really like the way the worded. Okay. And you said you had fire in you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go around spreading truth mm-hmm. and light. And letting people know what the rights are and empowering them to take them back. Now, we'll switch in here a little bit, yeah. well, just a little bit in common law. Yeah. What's common law? So common law basically has been around since, I think, 1215, and it was it was put in place to, to help the people, the working class people, when the government sort of tried to implement treason, um, which is, to me, what is happening now. Yeah. Um, and I only learned about this in May. And this is another thing that's just like been poked at me, which I think is like all the universe, like giving me sort of, I don't know, signs of, of how I can help people. Um, and I still don't know all about it. Like there's so much, there's, it's, it's a massive sort of, what's the word? Um, web of all sorts of stuff, because I'm also learning now about equity law and trust law, and it's just a minefield. But yeah. if I can learn like, a little bit like that in such a short period of time, I believe anyone can do it. And as soon as you know that and what what, what your rights are, like the power it, it gives you, like it's it's hard to explain. It just came out when I needed yeah. it. And it, all, like all the people that came to me at the right moments of time, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's not only empowering, but it changes you, your confidence increases. It changes the way you see a situation. Yeah. And you walk into it, you know, if, you know, if you've studied common law and you know your rights, you approach something with grace. Mm. You're not frightened anymore. No. And you do feel, you know what's right and you know what's wrong and it feels right and you just think, no, that, that shouldn't be happening. So you try and do it in a way that isn't sort of, um, I don't know, sort of arrogant or, or whatever. If you know what's right and what's wrong, then express it. Absolutely. And, if you get arrested, you get arrested. That's the that's the worst thing that can happen. And it's not that bad. I'm going to rewind a little bit there on you. And what we didn't talk about, I talked about plant medicines. You've recently done your first, now you're on a spiritual journey. Uh-huh. Ayahuasca, sir. Yes. Yes. Did you purge? I did. <laughs> yes. That involves, once you've drunk the medicine, mm-hmm. vomiting. Yes. 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 How was that? How was I that? I asked Wesley this. I said, <laughs> how was that? How was that? Does anyone like vomit? No. 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 Um, it was just, it just happened unexpectedly. I thought I managed to, to go through our and it not happen because um, I was having a great time. And then all of a sudden they put the gongs on. I was led down and yeah. couldn't couldn't get to anything in time. It just, if it's got to come out, yeah, it's going to come out. Of course, yeah. So, Did you do it? It's different for everybody. When I first did it, it's because I was desperate. Mm. I was depressed. I was unhappy. And there was this sadness and I couldn't shift it. And I tried everything. Yeah. And although I was in a much better place than I was a few years prior to that, I still, there was something not quite right. And yeah. the ayahuasca fixed that. Did you go with an intention? Was there a reason you went? Were you looking for something? Not necessarily. Um, I wanted it for more of a, I'd get, I guess, a spiritual connection. Because I know you can do it without medicine, but I feel like, I'm very impatient, so I was like, if I can, if I can do it quicker, I'll do it quicker. Yeah. Um, so part of your spiritual quest, you sort of, I don't know, to experience being connected, to mm. gain wisdom, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and to to just because because it was all new to me, all this spiritual stuff. I wanted to 
really experience something to for more clarification, I'd say, for me. Yeah, yeah. I think once you've heard about ayahuasca, and if you're on a spiritual path, for most people, it can, can take a while because, mm. you know, you're approaching it. And we have to be careful on this show. We don't encourage anybody to do this. It's a personal choice. It is. But if you're on that spiritual journey, for a lot of people, then this is, you know, going to be part of that journey Definitely. at some point. You know, I thought about it for a couple of years first and I looked into it and researched it and read about it, and read about it, and read about it. And I wasn't ready. And then one day I just knew I was ready. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was too many... Um, I call them pokes for me. Like there was too many people. Um, there was too much direction towards it, and I thought I have to take that. Yeah. That opportunity. But it was a good experience. It and was. Yeah. Did it change you? Because when I first did it, it was significant. It changed me. Yeah. You know, and it made me see things differently. And then, at the end of the ceremony, the connection, and you see the beauty and. Quite often, everybody starts singing. Yeah, we had a know. great sing song, even though I wasn't feeling great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was messy, but when you're in that moment, I did not care. Like, as soon mm. as the music comes on, you you lose all inhibitions. It, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, really good. Yeah, we'll leave the ayahuasca there. I've done a, <laughs> I've done two or three shows on that now. A couple yeah. of them with Wes, like a pre ayahuasca and then ayahuasca after. But it's yeah, it's. It's a fascinating subject, and all plant medicines, mm. you know, there's lots and lots of variations on that theme, and ayahuasca's one of those. So, Anya, we've discussed this before the show, and you're okay to talk about it, and it's very relevant to your journey, and it's now going to explain why and how you got arrested, but mm. you've been attending rallies. I have, yes. Yeah, up and down the country, or? All over, yeah. I started originally in Leeds, so I was itching to find people that were, were going out and speaking and yeah. taking action, basically. Um, so I started off in Leeds, and then I found out that they were doing them in London. So I think I've been to most of them in London. Now they're uh, some in Liverpool, and now I'm wanting to focus more up north because as great as it is with people coming together and the energy and that, it's not helping our cause up, out up north. Yeah. So What would you call them? Anti-lockdown rallies or yeah. freedom rallies? Or what, what's, what would you call freedom them? Freedom rallies for me, yeah, because yeah. it's a combination of a lot of things. It's not just necessarily lockdown. It's, it's um, an exposure of everything that we've, you know, that's been taken away from us yeah. and that we've been lied to about. I think, I always knew to a degree, I've never trusted politicians and I always knew the government was corrupt yeah. and there was finance involved and big pharma and, and it list goes on. Yeah. Never until this year had I become so aware. Absolutely. And these people have no idea how we live. They've never lived like us. So why should they be telling us what to do and how to live our lives? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you've been going to the rallies and I saw the video online. The mm -hmm. first video where you got arrested. Now, yeah. this video is not far from your house. The coppers have been going to your house. They've mm -hmm. been a few times. And up to this point, it was polite, generally. Yeah. But they pulled you over in the car. Now, I'll let you tell us what happened. Yeah, so that day, what was happening was um, across the country, 46 constabularies were being served their, their notice, uh, basically, that they have to uphold the law. Uh, in times of treason, so um, Magna Carta, Article 61, 2020. Yep. So they were, being, they were all being served, and I wasn't actually serving it. I was just going there as a witness, but I'd previously, because I'm, um, I'm part of a group of people who are sort of 
trying to combine communities um, so that people can come together in these times to help them. And if we need support, um, you know, we come together, we support one another. So yeah. I'd previously um, advertised it. Not, It wasn't a protest. It was literally we just needed witnesses. Um, so then I had them at my door trying to stop me, um, which I didn't, obviously. I left. And then as I got to literally round the corner from the headquarters, I saw at the roundabout there was a riot van. There were several other cars, and I knew, I knew straight away. I counted, watched the video, and from where I counted, I think there were seven police cars, mm. and I, I, I couldn't get an accurate picture, but between 14 and 17 officers in total. And I said, if there was 10 on yous, that's the entire North Lancashire Constabulary. <laughs> it's yes. all the police in that Honestly, area. Honestly, Um so I carried on driving as normal. I think I had a, a song on. I can't. I wish I could remember what it was because it's probably poignant now. But I had it on loud, so I didn't see that there was um, an unmarked vehicle behind me and actually in front of me. And then I saw the one behind me with the blues and twos on. And luckily, because I, I was looking in my mirror, and then I just about managed to see the one in front of me performed a hard stop, and I had to slam on. And at that point, um, they all just surrounded me. Um, and I had... My instinct was to just put a live video on because I knew I needed witnesses and to film it. So I think that was a smart move. I think it was. It's it's funny how when you're in these situations, what what your um, instincts do. If that wasn't on camera, that would have played out very differently. Mm. And also, I think if it wasn't on camera, no matter what you said, the version of events would have been different. Been, yeah. And you, you know. Your friends would believe you, but generally in a court, they wouldn't. No. You know, it's the word of a police officer. So I think for everybody, if you're in a situation where you feel threatened, you need to film it. Yeah. That's a wise move. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're about an hour in mm -hmm. and you've not given you details. No. Although they know who you are anyway. Of course they do. And yeah. they snatch you out the car. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, when I look back, it was, that's the thing, you make mistakes, you learn from them. But they said they were going to um, basically smash a window. And I thought, that's my van, don't break my window. I loved it. Um, so I tried to gather the attention of people who I knew were there, honked my horn and everything. And then as my window was down, they grabbed my keys and, and basically took me. So, yeah. yeah. But, and that to me wasn't a defeat. I do believe I needed to be in there. Well, it certainly got your point across and certainly everybody who saw that video, including myself, was, was appalled because mm. what happened is we're taking a massive amount of resource going around, not dealing with any criminals. No. A sweet young lady like yourself has taken up probably a quarter of, if not half, the police on duty in that area. Yeah. And getting arrested for doing Nothing. fuck all. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it made, it put them in a very bad light, yeah. you know, in, in my books anyway. I, believe it or not, this is me being careful with my words. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying to be careful because <laughs> my languages have been shocking. Uh, but I mean, even months. just, I, I'm actually being careful in how I, what I say here, but um, I can't help but vent a little bit, you know, mm. because I, I'm appalled by what's happening. I never thought I'd see in my lifetime the things that are happening now. I always thought we'd get there. Yeah. But I didn't think it'd be in my lifetime. There are some basic human rights. I think the air you breathe, what you put into your body, mm -hmm. even if it's toxins, yep. and, but the food, your right to roam, yep. the people you associate with, mm -hmm. and a freedom of speech. They're going for a grab on all of them at once. It's never happened before in history. No. They're trying to shut 
shuts humanity and freedom down in every way conceivable. Mm. And like I say, if you can't see a hole somewhere in in this, if you can't see behind the curtain, you don't have to get it all. You just have to realise that something's not right and you're being lied to. If you can't see that, then then I feel like shaking and saying, wake up. You know, I, I don't... I can't believe, I think the people can see, but they're frightened. Yeah, they are. That's what I believe. Because I don't believe anybody can't see. Just watch the news, you know, the figures for the second lockdown. They've now admitted they were wrong. Mm. So then surely we should have come immediately out of that lockdown. Yeah. But no. It's all a big pantomime. And for me, yeah. this, I believe, is like a test for humanity to see how far you will be pushed and how much you will tolerate before you stand up and say no. Like, we were put on this earth to flourish and nobody should be in control of it if they are not being fair with it. No, no, no way. Turn the TV off. Yes. Turn the TV off. Because if you keep listening to that and pumping it out, and especially if you're not associating with the people that make you feel good and mm. you're staying inside, and if you've got a pre-existing health condition, it might kill you. It'll certainly damage your immune system. Absolutely. If you're highly stressed and you're not getting fresh air and associating with people and getting human contact, you'll become ill. So on you the second time. Yes, <laughs> twice in a week. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Markham on the front. It was, yeah. And a smaller number of people mm-hmm. uh, for, a, for a rally. It's a smaller rally yeah. than some of the others. But you're doing a, a walk up and down the front. I've seen, again, I've seen the video and you, you're playing your music. Tell us what happened there. So that to me, like, um, I'd planned for a beautiful day. I wanted it to be like family orientated. Like, because I'm being a children's entertainer, I think kids need that at the moment. And I thought, I've got all this equipment. I want to give it to them, let them have some fun. So I thought I'd bring bubble machine and little gifts for the kids. We had ribbons and all sorts of stuff yeah. to make it magical for them as well. Something to look forward to. It was a beautiful day. Driving over, there was a rainbow. I was like, that's confirmation for me. Absolutely. That's nature um, smiling at Absolutely. You. So yeah. that, that, made, that made me really chuffed. And then um, we were encountered by these riot police. Um, so I spoke to them prior to it and he said, I want to talk to them. I said, no, they don't. They, these people don't want to talk to you. They're here exercising their rights, you know, their inalienable rights. And um, they were fine. They were fine. And you do notice that they are fine to begin with and it's the end when they get you. So I was, they'd asked us to disperse. So we did, we did what they asked of us. And as we were leaving then, um, the man that I'd originally spoken to, who I actually served notice to, which I think annoyed him, which is why he went in for the kill, yeah. um, was trying to speak to me and read me my rights. He had a mask on, I had the music blaring, it was windy. I couldn't really understand what he was saying, um, tried to get away, and then all of a sudden he's got me, and then there's about seven of them around me. And they, they carried you off, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, none of your extremities, none of your limbs were touching the floor up and... Yeah, that was pretty much dragged. I mean, I tried to resist because um, I had, I was still attached to the music box at this point as well. I had a microphone attached to me and um, the tablet. So I was worried about, I was more worried about my equipment than anything. And again, a number of police involved in this. There's, There's murders, there's children being abused, there's people on the streets selling arms, there's Mm -hmm. knife attacks and all this, but you're a threat. Yeah. And that's what, what really violence. upset me. Couldn't Not bothered that I got arrested. That doesn't bother me at all. Like, to me, that's lessons that if I've got to be doing that, I've got to be doing that. It was the fact there was children there and we was trying to make it um, 
family friendly and it upset people. I wasn't upset, but there were people there that were distressed. It, it, yeah. it upset people. And and it was mayhem, wasn't it? I saw, saw it you know, on the video. Yeah. yeah, and the fact I actually spoke to somebody not so long ago and she brought her child along, six-year-old, and he, she said that he turned around and said, why did they do that to her mum? She wasn't doing anything wrong. Mm. And I just think, what is that doing? What, are they, what example are they setting for children? So yeah. wrong. Yeah. I know... I've been a part to a couple of conversations and a lot of the police, I, I mean, there's been stuff on Twitter and some of the media as well where senior police are saying, this is a waste of police resources, it is not sustainable mm -hmm. and real crime is, is not being dealt with. Yeah. This needs to stop. Anya, I'm going to read this next bit. Mm -hmm. Because I thought it was beautiful. And then I'm going to give you some compliments. I've lost many things on this journey, but it's nothing compared to what I've gained. In such a short space of time, and this is just the beginning, and I say, bring it on. That's the last part of your notes. And you also said, I've never felt like so excited to be alive. Yes. Because you have purpose. You sort of found your groove, you know. And I think you are a beautiful soul. I really do. And I am in awe of your strength. Thank you. And I salute you. <laughs> I salute you. Right back at you. I salute you. <laughs> I've loved having you in the studio. I've it's, loved being here. Thank it's you. It's been wonderful. I have a very funny feeling we'll be doing this again. <laughs> I think we might be. I think we'll be doing this again. <laughs> and yeah, really, really, really happy you came on you. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been a very good experience. Okay, folks, I'm going to leave you with a quote from the book, From Pills to Peace. When the music inside is louder than the song outside, you are manifesting. You are in the creation process. And I thought this was very relevant for you. <laughs> okay, there's a show out three times a week at the minute with the Back to Front on Saturdays. And these shows are going out on YouTube. Three days later, they go live as an audio podcast on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Amazon, and Google. You can also go to my website, midnightmcbride.com. You can go on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook and find me there. You can also catch me on the radio every Monday night from 11 till 12 or midnight till midnight on Salford City Radio 94.4 FM with the Mind, Body and Spirit Show. And you can get the paperback and Kindle book on Amazon and loads of other places. And you can also get the audiobook on Audible, ACX and Amazon. Hope you've enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time. Thanks, Anya. Thank you. Shalom.